I will bring you greetings from New Pilgrim Baptist Church, all of the members, and from our senior pastor, Cody J. Hodges. And um, I just want to give thanks to all of you for having me and to your senior pastor, Phil Hughes. It's really, truly a blessing and honor. I'm delighted. I'm excited. And anyway, <laughs> let, let me just pray. <laughs> Let's just pray. Almost gracious and heavenly Father, we come to you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Thank you for being here, Holy Spirit. I thank you so much, Lord, for your love and your grace and your mercy that truly endures forever, Lord, and that you still deal with us and that you still bless us in spite of us, Lord. I thank you so much for this sermon. I thank you so much for these words that you have prepared for this church, Lord, for all of us. And I pray that we will never be the same after we hear your words, that we will just take them out into the dying world that needs too much to hear, that you are the light of the world, that you are the risen Christ, that you still heal today, and that you're an awesome and mighty God. And all of us say together, amen. I am reading from the NASB, and I am going to preach on Philippians 3, 12, and 16. And if you please... Turn to. And the title of the message is Press On. Press On. Press On. And let me read. And it says, Not that I have obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of for which also I was laid hold by, of by Jesus Christ. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forth to what lies ahead. Pressing on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of Jesus, of God in Christ, Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as are perfect, have this attitude. And it, in any sin, you have a different attitude. What God will reveal it also to you. However, however, let us keep on living by the same standard to which we have attained. Press on. My brothers and my sisters, have you ever quit just before completing a goal? And then to look back and wish that you have pressed on until you have finished the task? Until you have reached your goal? History is filled with many examples of people who always made it, who almost made it, who almost achieved greatness. But you see, they quit too soon. They gave up just in the verge of a great victory. And we will never know their names because we will always remember the ones who finished the ta task rather than those who almost finished. In his book entitled, It is Always Too Soon to Quit, Lewis Timberlake gives us an example of people who almost quit. But against overwhelming odds, they praise on and achieve great things. You see, if they have quit, they would have never reached their goal. And we as Christians are also not to quit, but to press on. We have all the tools in this country, in this nation. We could go anywhere with the Bible. We could go anywhere and, and offer a prayer. We have those freedoms. But there are countries that if, we, if, if they carry the Bible, or even if they mention the name of Jesus Christ, they will be killed. So... We need to continue, press on. And that is the message for today. Now, 
we as Christians are not called to quit, like I said, but to press on. There's no doubt that sooner or later, in all our life, there's going to be trials and tribulations. 20 years ago, I lost my, my son. He was five years old. I did not know Christ yet. However, as my son, as I see my son die, then I really didn't want to know about anything. You know, how could this guy take a five-year-old and, you know, and take him? I, you know, people will say to me, well, he's in heaven and, and all this stuff. At that point, I could tell you that I didn't want to know anything about this Christ, about God, and anything else. And then many, many years later, after a long depression, I met, I met with a missionary, actually, that told me about Jesus Christ, about his work on the cross, and my life was turned around. Not only I was healed from the depression, but here I am testifying and, and telling you guys that today I can praise God for everything that happened in the past because it, is, it made me and it helps me to be who I am today, to mold me for a reason and a purpose. And although I quit, didn't know him, didn't know him yet, then after I knew him, then I just wanted to press on. I just wanted to tell the whole world who this amazing, awesome Savior was that saved a wretch like me and that's still dealing with me and helping me to just accomplish what he had called me to do. So we must never quit. So when trials come our way and we're tempted to quit, it could just be a loss of a job, I don't know, break of a marriage. Somebody might be ill. Maybe a rebellious children, and the list goes on and on. But whatever the situation is, again, we must not give up. We, con we should continue moving forward knowing that we're not alone in this journey. God is on our side. God is on our side, and he will never leave us or forsake us. Before we enter into our text this morning, it is good to mention that when Paul wrote this letter to the Philippians, he was in jail again. During his whole ministry, that was pretty much the story of his life. He continuously suffered persecution from preaching the gospel. He suffered hunger. He was shipwrecked, and the list goes on and on and on. As we can see, if somebody knew the meaning of what pressing on meant, it was him. We must also notice that Paul often compared his own pursuit of Christ to that of a runner, the runner of a race. And this morning, as we think about pressing on in our Christian life, about running the race as believers, let us look at four things that we need to remember as we press on. And the first one is we need to be realistic. Verse 12 tells us, not that I have already obtained it or have already been perfect, but I press on so that I might lay hold of that for which I also was laid hold on by Jesus Christ. Here Paul is talking about his own life. And he makes it very clear that he was not perfect. None of us are perfect. As believers, we will not be perfect until we're in heaven. However, we should be striving to be holy as he is holy. That's what Jesus Christ tells us. We are not to conform with the world. We are to keep on pressing on, and we are to keep on doing the things that he called us to do with enjoyment and excitement. You see, Paul had a dramatic experience. On the road to Damascus, he encountered Jesus Christ, and it changed his life completely. And I know that when we encounter, the ones that are here that encounter Jesus Christ, our life will never be the same. We'll never be the same. But he was saying, I'm not there yet, you guys. 
You see, he didn't think that he had achieved all he was going to, and he wanted to make some progress. And through his whole life, his goal was to be more like Christ, and that should be our goal today. We need to be more like Christ. Quest to be more like Christ. And he wanted to make his point so clear to the Philippian church and to all of us today. Recently, I read the story of one of the greatest Christian missionaries of all time, William Carey. He said if there's only one thing that he wanted to be remembered for it was that he was nothing special. He also had no special intelligence, but when people wonder how he and two others translated the scripture in 40 languages, he said it wasn't because they were greatly gifted, but because they were the ones to continue to press on. The second thing is to be forgetful. So what did Paul forget? Now, he forgot his past failure, his past accomplishment. It was a done deal. It was over. He did not spend time overanalyzing them. He didn't spend time saying, maybe I should have done this. Maybe I should have said that. Maybe I should have gone here or there. No. What he was saying was not that he forgot everything. What he was saying was that he did not remember his past, but that he understood it very well. And as he understood it, it did not let it discourage or defeat him. He was also free of any guilt or pride that he might have failed from the things he did in the past because God has forgiven him. And once God has forgiven us, guess what? Everything is in the sea of forgiveness. Forgiveness. So it's gone. It's a done deal. We're supposed to be moving forward. You see, his attitude enabled him to live in the present. In Luke 9.62, Jesus tells us that no one, after putting his hands to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of heaven. He was warning us not to look back, but to go forward. We must take heed and not allow the past to destroy our present and our future. So we must do forget what's behind. And like Paul, we must not feel guilty. We must not hold grudges because it would only fit our light with doubt haters, bitterness. Instead, we should replace it with trust and forgiveness. We must trust God in everything. We must trust. There's a lot of things going around in the world and in this nation, but we are people of faith, and we must trust God all the way. God has a purpose. He has a plan. He hasn't gone anywhere, and it's not that when we're calling on him, like he said, call on me, and I will answer you, and I will show you great and mighty things that you do not know. It doesn't mean that he's going like, oh, gosh, no, he is God. He has a purpose. He's Alpha and Omega, the beginning at the end. So he knows the future already. So we must trust him. We must have faith. We must move forward with everything we got. We must help one another. We just heard about the missionaries that are in prison. Can you imagine? I'm, uh, uh, what would be the greatest thing that could happen to us in the United States, really? You know, there's a lot of anger, and there's a lot of, uh, there's, a lot of uh, there's a lot of people that need food. There's a lot of things that are happening. The list goes on and on. But other countries, they're suffering for the cross of Christ. And, you know, uh, we can never say that we don't suffer for the cross of Christ. But, you know, really compared to the missionaries that are there. The third thing is that we must stay focused. We must stay really focused. We must stay with our eyes fixed in the author and the finisher of our faith. And that is Jesus Christ. 
And he said, press on towards the goal for the price of the upward call of God in Jesus Christ. In the Christian life, we need to learn not to be distracted by so many things that are going on all around. We must take focus. We must keep our price on the, we, we must keep our eyes on the final price. If there's anybody here that remember the movie, The Chariots of Fire, I've seen it many times. Then you might remember the great runner, Abraham. He won so many races. His coach held up to such discipline. But he finally lost one of the races. You know what? Because he looked to the side. Just as he was about to finish the race, he looked to see where his competitor was. And he lost the fight. He lost the, the, the race. His coach said to him, you know what? That look cost you the race. Let us not let anything cost a race. Let us not worry about what's happening. Let us not worry about who's doing what, how are we doing it. We are the body of Christ. We are the ecclesia. We are the call out. We're supposed to take the good news. What is the good news? The good news of salvation. Christ died for us. He rose, and today he's sitting at the right hand, Father, interceding for all of us. Let no one steal our prize, our blessing. When we're running the race, it is not the time to stop and check our watch, tie, shoes, or listening even to the cheering crowd. We need to keep our focus on the things that really matter. Did you know that God has a purpose for our life, like I said? God has put all of us in this earth for a reason. He actually saved us from hell and damnation so that we glorify his name, so that we could take the good news. We must continue moving forward, pressing towards the goal. Notice that when Paul did reach the end of his life, he was able to leave behind, hallelujah, a testimony that he had indeed run well. We see that on Timothy, in 2 Timothy 4, 6, and 7, when it says, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. The faith. By the way, things are the same. Things are the same way today. The world and the economy must have changed, but God's still the owner of everything. He does not change, and He still has the rewards that will be given to those that complete their mission in this earth. So let us not give up. God has not given us on us. We must keep on pressing on, remembering that the greatest incentive for all of us is awaiting at the finish line, seeing Christ face to face and sharing his eternal glory. Lastly, it's to be engaged. We must continue to be engaged. We must not disengage. We must continue to work together. We must continue to look at what God has put in front of us. Paul was asking mature believers to continue running the race like he was. And look what it says in here. It says in here, it, look what it says. It says, however, let us keep living the same standard for which we have attained. And then he says in here, I'm going to go back to 14. It says, I press on towards the goal for the price of the upward call of God in Jesus Christ. Let us therefore, as many as are perfect. He was talking about spiritual maturity about have this attitude. What attitude? 
And in, if in any sin you have a different attitude, God will reveal it to you. Well, he was talking about the attitude that we are. If we, when we said the first time that we said to people out there or to anybody in our jobs that we are Christian, that means we're Christ-like. And the moment we say that, I can guarantee you it happened to me. Uh, people will be looking the way we talk, the way we act, and then later on they'll say, well, you said that you was a Christian. So that's the attitude. That's the attitude that he's talking about. Let us all work together in one accord. The world will believe because we are one. It doesn't matter, you know, whether Presbyterian, Baptist, but we are one in Christ. So he was talking about the spiritual maturity. And then he says, don't worry about it. I mean, we're going to do it differently, different, you know, different type of worship. That's awesome, different hymns. We Baptists love hymns, and that's good. I mean, so, but we are working for one reason, to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And then he says, let's not worry about it, because God will make it plain in their own life. So I don't need to worry about this is disease, walk with me, do it with me, or run like I do. We all differ, and God created us different, you know, with different gifts and talents to share with the body of Christ, to bless others. Amen. So he'll say, he says, he will make it plain to you guys. He will make it plain to me. He will make it plain to, to, all of, to, to everybody. He also encourages us in 16, like I read, to live up to what we say we are. If we're saying we're Christians, our actions should speak louder than our words. We should be living as an example to the unbelieving world. And we must not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to tell you why not. Because everybody else in the world is proud about who they are, what they believe, and they're very loud and clear sharing with each one of us whether we want to hear it or not. So we should just be proud of who we are in Christ, be sharing in love, and then we must leave God's word, be an open Bible for our unsafe family members. I have unsafe family members. Whenever I go and visit them in Puerto Rico, they're looking at me. They might not, uh, they might not have studied the Bible, but I am the open Bible to them. They need to know. They need to see my excitement. They need to see who is this Christ is in me. They need to see my compassion. They need to see my benevolence. They need to see my love. They need to see Christ in me. With our brothers and sisters in Christ, in the dealing with friends and neighbors, we must pursue in becoming more and more like Christ. That's what, that was the whole thing with Paul. I want to be like Christ. I want to become more like Christ. And this great apostle said, well, you know, I'm not there yet. That, that's being humble. I'm not there yet. I don't know it all. Neither, neither I am. I don't know it all, but I'm willing. I'm open. In closing, the question for all of us is this morning, how well are we running the race? Are we pressing on with the same fervor and determination? I don't know, it might be different. We're different people. So I might have all this excitement, but not my daughter is an introverted person, and she doesn't have the, the same excitement, but she's still running the race in her pace. Did you know that he will walk with us at the pace that we're walking? So not everybody's here and there, but we are somewhere. Like I said, we are the ecclesia, the call out to go and share the good news. Can we say with Paul today, 
One thing I do, forgetting those things that are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Pressing, I press towards the goal for the price of the upward call of Jesus Christ. Paul says in Romans 12, 2, that we should not be conformed with the world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind so that we prove what the will of God it is for all of us, which is good and acceptable and perfect. You see, his will is that none shall perish, but his will for us is that he came that we live that life, the abundant life. We can live the abundant life. Yes, we can. But we must remember what we live in the abundant life that we need to share the good news with the people around us. You know, it always impressed me. There is one quote in the Bible that it will always be in my, in my, in my mind, in my brain. And it is that it says, and in that day they will say, but Lord, Lord, didn't we just cast out demons, heal the sick? And all that stuff. And he's going to say, wait a minute now, depart from me. You workers of inequity because I never knew you. And they're going to ask him, but where were you, Lord? And he says, and he will say to them, because I was hungry and you didn't give me to eat. Because I was in the hospital and you didn't come to visit. Because I needed water and you didn't give me the little cup of water that I needed. Let us remember, my brothers and my sisters. That one day, Jesus Christ, too, he has to press on to Calvary. He did press on to Calvary's cross. He knew what his purpose was. His goal, death at the cross of Calvary, to pay for all our sins. The price, the redemption of all humanity was at stake. He was a willing vessel. He was too realistic about what was awaiting for him. He knew Calvary's cross, a shameful death to the son of the living God after he's been bitten after they put a cross, uh, a, a, a crown of thorn in his head. And we see that when he's, we find him praying in Luke twenty-two forty, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Thy will be done. You know what? At the end, there's going to be two people. The ones that will say, thy will be done, and the ones that will say, thy will be done. His will is going to be done. So whether we want it or not, whether I'm here or not, God's will will be done. At the end, Jesus Christ stayed focused. He knew he stayed focused in Golgotha, the Christ of Calvary. He was fully engaged on his way to Calvary's cross. He was crucified and died, but at the third day he rose again. And today he's interceding at the right hand of the Father. And he's giving us the strength to continue to press on to continue to press on for our children, for my grandchildren, to press on for our final prize. And you know what is the final prize? Until the day we can hear him say, okay, well done, good and faithful servant. That's all, my brothers and sisters. Until that day, that is the prize. Thank you so much. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. Amen.